from the home offices of Ash and Flow. This is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around to listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. Let's do this and say welcome to this most recent episode of the Unbill Browse podcast. Ash, it's just you and me today, I should say, right? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we should start by giving the listeners a brief explanation or apology or whatever for missing a couple of episodes in the past weeks without even commenting on that. Should we should mm-hmm. do that? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. I mean, let's be fair. Yeah. So <clears throat> everybody listening, my sincere apologies for missing the beat a couple of times. So I think we missed like two or three Fridays for reasons of me moving wrong yeah and let's also not forget the fact that it was spring break well technically it's you know kids break and stuff like that yeah and we do have a number of guests and others in the pipeline it's just things have just gotten a little busier didn't we it got a bit chaotic there because me and the family actually found a place to live in a place where we always wanted to live that opportunity showed up for us end of february and then things were like sort of moving super fast and now i'm in the new place nice i will not disclose its location or show any pictures but ash has seen some so you can probably attest to that it was worth it (laughs) sorry it was definitely worth it but now we're back and ash we want to tackle a interesting topic i think actually it's a question that you've been getting quite often hasn't it yeah i think i've gotten it a few times myself in a different context but this is something yeah yeah Yeah, I heard it a couple of times and here and there, it comes up in consulting conversations and sometimes I I got like LinkedIn DMs of people asking me questions, whatever. And then recently I gave a webinar and when the time for Q&A came around, this question came up again and I was like, okay, maybe it is not an outlier or single case thing. Maybe it is. Yeah, let's also reflect on what's going on in the market where tech and consulting firms are cutting down on cost centers and trying to automate things so this becomes if you know the big players are trying to cut down on you know cut down on costs should self-defense thing yeah i hadn't even thought about it but you're probably right okay yeah so should like the small and mid players start to invest in these areas well of course you need to invest if you don't have anything if you've got if you like the reason why some of these firms, you know, are cutting down is because it's bloated. As the yeah. organization goes, they just keep building and not really looking at optimizing. And now it's an optimizing exercise for them to yeah. for various reasons. Let's not get into that. But if you don't have this, yes, it's you know, point to consider for investing. And I just realized the listeners can't see our notes, so I should, <laughs> we should probably say what the question is. The question yes. we've been hearing more about or more often is actually how can I convince executives or you know partners and these whatever who are not convinced, which I put in quotation marks there, but in my credit, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yep. To make an investment in a more strategic capability or in strategic programs or whatever. The in what exactly sort of varies between the questions, but I think that's basically what people want to know is how do I convince someone who doesn't believe in marketing to give me money for marketing, which is a variety of answers to those, including, well, just work somewhere, find someone else who believes in marketing to work for, right? That's one you might mm-hmm. find around the LinkedIn's, but that's of course impractical. So 
for this episode, let's try and give the best answer you and I can come up with, right? That's that yeah. was the idea. Justifying investment isn't uh, that would be the name of the episode. <laughs> yes, that's the episode title, which I realize people may, well maybe they have seen it if they read the descriptions. But I mean, okay, so maybe we can start by by getting this question right. You sort of get it. I certainly had it in my time when I was working in house. I do have it now, not explicitly, but sort of indirectly, right? If I go work for a firm that they are making an investment. So I have to help them feel sure that's the right, right choice to make. But yes. so being asked to make the case for marketing investments is very common, right? Yes. And um, with all the things yeah. that are going on, just like we mentioned earlier, it, it's an even more important question. And you and know, I mean that, you're that, right, that's, Flo. That's yeah. despite the fact, right, that there seem to be tons and tons of evidence for that it's a worthwhile investment, how it helps and full force. I mean, we had the guys from Hinge on last week, right? So they have this high growth study every other year, I think, where they yeah. clearly show that the firms which invest more in marketing, they grow faster, they have all kinds of other benefits. So so evidence of why it, or how it works of that sort exists. But of course, yeah, you'll still get the question. That's, I think, the point we're trying to make. Yeah. And in, what do you say, consulting or rather in professional services areas, this gets a bit murkier because essentially sales and marketing are connected, you know, this they're siblings. They're basically very connected and driven things. So you'll often find the practice experts being the salespeople or yeah. business development people as well. Yeah. So since they're doing the sales part of sales and marketing, they assume they don't need marketing or they don't yeah. and there's you know they're doing no marketing at all but these are very just, interconnected things to begin yeah, you're with. right we also get why so many partners mds whatever are still not as they maybe say convinced by marketing is because they have gotten into the positions they have today because they excel at business development right like you just said they are the seller doers who made partner or made MD by building their book of business. And they typically do it, you know, through one-on-one -on -one activities. Like they, they speak, they engage existing clients, they go on conferences and meet prospects. And like, they do all the hard footwork. And if you were to ask some of them, not all of them, but some of them, they would say, yeah, sure. I built this, I don't know, double digit million dollar business for the firm doing no marketing at all. Like you just said, right? So why change that now? Again, I hope listeners can see we have empathy because we could, we understand where this comes from. And so should we, I mean, okay, why change now is probably the question. So should we maybe get into answering it, right? Yeah, I mean, as, as we recommend. Like, yeah. in order to, like, first of all, as mar if you're a marketeer, you can always find <clears throat> the difference between marketing and sales there. Yeah. And Flo, I believe you wanted to, define yeah i mean we've done this before defining marketing and yeah. then going yeah go we, we've done this here but i mean the so the so we're getting the question right why should we invest make the case right i have done this my entire career without marketing why changes now and i have had some success in the past so it's this is based on my practical experience to start at this very point right where they say well we've won our business so far through sales or through business and use this to, to again or for the first time ever whatever define and clarify what marketing actually is and what it does there is sometimes this misconception that marketing is i don't know colorful linkedin posts and videos which cost 50 grand and don't do much and these kinds of things these are the Cliches, yeah. which exist in the minds of the executives who are not convinced by marketing. And there's reasons for that, by the way, again, right? Because 
certainly consultancy marketers have produced a bunch of videos which do much in cost of yeah, uh, including myself I've, yeah uh, on a very high level on a very high level sales and business development is like everything that leads to selling of the goods or services or whatever you know yeah. what do you got to sell and marketing is that whole process behind it that helps get your customers people consumers interested yeah. in the things that are being sold and I know you're going to go into the detail part flow. I'm just no, I'm not necessarily the detail. What I'm saying, what you said is correct. And there's all kinds of distinctions between the two. And then, you yeah. know, marketing is sort of more the media play and then sales and business development is more the conversion, right? Craft of converting yeah. the actual demand as it comes in, into business. But that's not how I put it in front of those XX who are not convinced mm-hmm. by marketing. But I do is I ask them, so what you're saying is you're very successful doing business development. They say yes in my fictional conversation, right? And then I can say, well, that's great because what I'm proposing is we invest in marketing, which we do in a certain way. That means it actually is just like business development. Literally, it's the same. It does the same things. Uh, It just does them at a much, much larger scale with much higher frequency. And it does it 24-7 using mass media. So, So the... And that typically helps to create sort of a friendly starting point for the conversation. They'll still grill me about, you know, investment cost and return investment, all that. But if we clarify the understanding of what marketing is, we just say it's essentially business development at scale. What I found is that often they start to listen a bit, like they lean forward and start to listen a bit more because business development is something they understand. And the promise of it being done 24-7 with less of their involvement in a much higher reach and all that good stuff is something that is interesting. So this might be a compelling point to start. And I, sorry, you, oh, I just realized this is where you write, I'm going into the details. I like to point out what, so this is what marketing does, right? And how does it do it? Well, it does marketing. If it's done well, does the very same thing as you, the MD or partner, right? Do if you are in the room with a single client or a couple of buyers or 20 people at a conference, which is you help them see a challenge or an opportunity in their business, right? You educate them how that challenge might be overcome or the opportunity That's, might be seized. Yeah, we can simplify it in a simple way. And you position like, your firm as the best way or the best part yeah. to, to help them, right? And you build trust. Like all these things, you go like you go through these motions as the business development expert in a one-to-one or one-to-two setting. Marketing does the exact same stuff. It just does it to in a one-to-many setting where many is quite a large number potentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I was literally getting to that. It's like, you know, biz dev, dev is one, one, maybe one, two, interest generation to conversion, whereas marketing is many, one, sorry, one to many, interest generation, conversion into the sales pipeline, which yeah. then they can like, where they can like focus on the one one thing so essentially what marketing does is casts a bigger net and helps you find all these uh, possible potential one ones and what strategic marketing which is what you is what we're talking about is it kills off all the things that are not necessary so that the resources that do business development and sales can focus on the clearest part of success rather than everything I'm toppling stuff over here on my desk as I'm trying to find a pen to take a note. I like this very much, the metaphor you just use, cast a wider net. Because of course, right, if I say marketing is business development at scale, I'm simplifying a little bit here, right, to, to my point across. Because of course, it can't replace business development, right? The craft of 
packaging a specific proposal, negotiating things, like all that stuff that finally converts demand into revenue, which is business development, that doesn't go away, right? Marketing yeah, just facilitates it. So I, your net metaphor there is actually more precise than what I had. And that's also why we need to like touch on what we're speaking here is the strategic marketing area. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, to focus on the specific one-one connections that you need to go for, yeah. not yeah. everything, because so, you won't have the time or resources for that. Yeah, so we'll, so Ash and I will particularly presume we're always talking about the kind of marketing which we sort of preach about in this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Not the, let's post press releases in our LinkedIn variety, but the strategic one. Thanks for pointing that out. I mean, yeah. and then to maybe close at this section, what it does do, so so what is marketing business development at scale or helping you cost a much wider net at, with, and doing the 24-7, right? Round the clocks yeah. largely or is much more independent from individual solid doers in the firm. So there's economies of scale, all good stuff. And at this point in the discussion, it's probably becoming clear that how it can help, help our firm grow mm-hmm much further, much faster. And it can also help with profitability. And that is for a variety of reasons, right? Which that's the next part in this very nice podcast you're going to listen to. It does it for a variety of reasons, which we'll go into, and which you should absolutely include in your extensive answer to the question, why invest, right? Because these are key benefits of investing in marketing, which have nothing to do with pure financials, but they have a lot to do with strategic and operational benefits to the firm, maybe go beyond marketing. And we can we can rattle off the lists, if I may, right? So yeah, yeah. what exactly does strategic marketing do for a firm? And we'll get to the growth and profit bit at the end. But before we get there, it does a bunch of other things, which I think you should mention. And I listed how many of these seven in the first list. And these are typically if you... in embark on a marketing journey, which the first thing the firm gets is focus. Because, Mm -hmm. right, you said we do strategic marketing and the foundation of that is a proper segmentation, proper positioning, proper targeting. So we we get much more clarity around the good old question, whom do we serve and what types of problems do we solve around here? Which that usually has reverberations throughout the entire shop, right? Helps with all kinds of things. And not just marketing, but also sort of delivery, you know, efficiency in delivery, but also improvement in quality. We, I think it's clear, right? What I'm trying to say here. Yeah, yeah, it is very clear. And it and facilitates the focus part. Yeah. yeah. And, and then I mean, it was insight, yeah. right? And yes, that I yeah. think is really important here because when they go for their one one conversations, because marketing would have already done things like the pestle analysis and others, they go with like clear insight. They know the history. It's not just like I have to. We've brought in plenty of people to talk about RFPs, to talk about mo- yeah. most of the stuff. This is the area where marketing works with offering development and helps the business to go and make a convincing sale. Now, they will have all, in the, now they like biz dev sales will know how to sell, but they also would like some, you know, grease to make it more convincing. And this is where marketing provides that insight grease yeah. to help it make. Yeah, smoother. and again, like we said, right, strategic marketing, if you invest in strategic marketing, you, you can't help but get more insight into the segments you're trying to target and the clients mm-hmm. you're trying to serve, because yep. that's the first step marketing takes, right? And so this mm-hmm. again, will, and we've made these points before in our episodes talking about research programs and stuff, that's not just helpful to marketing, this can inform everything all the way down to IP creation, and then again, service delivery, right? 
The third point we can skip across because that's just exposure, right? That's the idea of visibility and all that stuff, right? The wider net. If I crank yeah, the, the wider net, engine, more people will hear about the firm. That's it. <laughs> yeah. They know about you before you get there. You don't have to yeah. spend time. No need to go to the conference in person. They'll have read about you somewhere else mm -hmm. if you're doing it right and give it some time. Yeah, you don't have to introduce all your services and everything unless you're a brand new shop, which is a different story. You yeah. mostly have to focus on the people part, which is what you guys do in sales yeah. and biz dev. And the next point we listed was preference, by which we mean, I mean, if you invest in strategic marketing, you'll hopefully also getting some sort of differentiated value proposition and a positioning mm -hmm. as an expert or your firm's expertise gets positioned well, which that's that typically means your consulting firm is no longer a commodity. I pause here because that often disgruntles people and they tell me we're not a commodity. But the truth is, if there's 1,500 AP implementation consulting firms in your region and your shop is not clearly differentiated from those, then yes, you're very much a commodity in the eyes of the buyers or the buying committee. But if you invest in strategic marketing, that'll likely change or it should, because that's that absolutely I mean, part of the ROI, so to speak. If you put money in at the front end of strategic marketing process, you should get a differentiated proposition out of the other end. Otherwise, I, I do want to say that we have to consider like in professional services, when your product guys are not going in as a service model, it's yeah. not a bad thing to be a service as a product model, which is being done in some ways so you will hear more about the sap model yeah. in the next you know in the next whatever time period because it's essential even in everything is commoditized these days because there's multiple players and yeah. you're not an entrepreneur you're a business there's a difference here you're not coming up with something that is brand new even if it sounds like it's brand new. no you're competing in a category very right yeah that's a very good point to make yeah it's an established category, management consulting, IT consulting, SAP consulting, whatever, right? You're moving in a category, mm -hmm. so you're not breaking new ground here exactly, which is by no means a bad thing. Yes. Actually, we love that stuff. Otherwise, we wouldn't work in this industry. But yeah, like you said, right? It's the, You have to do certain things or you can do certain things to create, to carve out a niche and create preference for your offering, even if you are the nth uh, and as in the 1,500 mm -hmm. participant in the category. So, so, and, you know, that'll be an outcome of the strategic marketing process. I don't know. And for the sake of time, I'll summarize the last three points in that list. If you build a marketing machine and crank it, right, your go-to-market will also be more consistent, more efficient, and more efficient. And that'll lead to more predictable growth. I mean, the difference is posting on a blog, being on LinkedIn in front of your audiences, having a webinar, right, multiple times, maybe not a week, but a month, a quarter, right? That again goes to the wider net aspect of it. Like if you go to market more often and the math of conversion rates and stuff holds up to a certain extent, you will sooner or later get to a point where you can quote unquote predict or at least project with some confidence how much business you might bring back from that, right? And because yeah. you do it through marketing and not in person, you'll be able to go to the market so much more often and at much lower cost. That's yeah. Let's let's give you an analogy. It's not one is like a regular steel, well, not even steel, an iron knife, and the other is more like a laser knife. Not that both can't cut; just one cuts really fast and can cut multiple things at the same time. So now, so again, to recap, right? So investing in strategic marketing should give your firm focus 
insight, exposure to your target audience, preference for your firm among those people you have exposure to, and it'll increase the consistency, efficiency, and predictability of your overall go-to-market motion. These are the first level or highest level or whatever benefits, right? And then yes. with those in under the belt, right, your consultancy will be able to, and now we get a bit closer to business outcomes, strengthen its pipeline. Uh, so you have more potential clients coming mm-hmm. to you. That means you can say no to some of them, meaning you can pick better fit clients. Your people yes. like to work with more, which are less price sensitive, whatever, right? So you have a bit of a choice between the clients who take on the pieces of work you engage in and these things, which are good because that gives you the third benefit. You get some pricing power or you should get some of it. Yeah. Also goes hand in hand with a stronger positioning, right? You might have a decrease in exec involvement in the entire business development process. Right? Well, on two areas. So one is <clears throat> if you establish trust, it requires the people who are the doers to be involved on the client side. And as you go on to scale, and people understand, well, you don't need the senior leadership of your consulting to go and do the sale for every yeah. client. So that's, you know, yeah. it's a dual-sided thing there. And this, of course, media does reduces, the job, right? Media yeah. does the job you would have to do on foot, so to speak. Yeah, this, uh, of course, reduces the cost of sales because, you know, yeah. you're not flying your most expensive people to various locations. And you also don't need to do everything face-to-face sometimes. And the, people people shy away from things like spending, I don't know how much, on a retainer for someone helping you with your LinkedIn presence. But let's say that costs two grand a month. And they're like, ah, oh, I'm not sure if I can spare the money. But then they pay like... I'm making the numbers up. They pay five grand once a year to be how to sponsor a conference where they get to speak. And then they have all the internal costs of making the presentation, flying the executive there, all that stuff, right? So 10, 20 grand gone for a mm-hmm. single point in time market engagement, right? I picked the LinkedIn person over that any day of the week. Uh, if I had to make the choice, best case, of course, you can do all these things. Yes. Right? Yeah. And- all of these reductions also reduces help, you know, with the efficiency that you have. Your sales cycles will be faster. Your delivery cycles are going to be whatever. That's a different yeah. story. But your sales cycles will be a lot faster. Yeah, this is true. And it's an argument that is often repeated. I've I've gotten a bit more careful of wielding it. You should say it if you can make the claim of competence. I've gotten a bit more careful because... Yes, you can have reductions on the front end because people already know your firm. They know what you do. They know how you work, whether they like you or not, because they've read your content or seen your videos or whatever, right? That element is there. But in this industry, we still have a long tail of, you know, program and package negotiation, pricing, certain vetting processes. So uh, the impact marketing can make on your sales cycle might not be as impressive as in other industries, I don't know, industrial equipment or whatever, where it can really move the needle consulting yeah it's true it's there but i don't know how large it is but i mean let's round out this section and move to the next one what we're saying is there are non-financial benefits to consultancy marketing which you should absolutely call out if you're making the case for it but what these do at the end of it is they all lead to very financial benefits at the end of them, right? So that the lowest level or the closest to the bottom line benefits, which are two, I think, as we can mm-hmm. we have already alluded to, you can go faster or further and more predictably. So growth is one result. Marketing, I mean, if you don't get that out of it, 
then something has gone horribly wrong. And there's probably also an increase in profits, mainly driven by reductions in cost of sales and maybe increased pricing power or the opportunity for the firm to work with better clients that often helps. That might be that might take a lot more longer time to to hit though. But these are the two mm-hmm. business benefits. Again, to drive home the point, absolutely make these, right? But don't start with those two. Mm-hmm. But walk yep. your people through the nine financial benefits to sort of build towards it. Mm-hmm. Because everybody who's ever inquired about the value of marketing has heard these two things before. Oh, yeah, it helps with growth and it's a bit more cost efficient than sales. And they've heard it a thousand times and they still have doubts, right? So maybe walk them through the how okay, that yeah, works. Because you're just telling the end result. Like end result is fine. But if someone's looking to make an investment, they want to know why they're making an investment. <clears throat> yeah. And they're just not looking at the end result. And then maybe returning to our fictional conversation with the fictional MD and the fictional firm, right? So we've mm-hmm. walked him or her through that train of thought and they so far they are along with us. Okay, marketing is about costing about an ad. It's like business development at scale, delivers all kinds of benefits for the firm, eventually will help us grow and increase profits. And now we come to the point where he or she asks the dreaded question, how much exactly in our case, right? Like what's the ROI? What are you expecting? to see in return yeah. from our investment. And here I want to say where, right? You have to have an answer. You have to prepare to give one and it will be somewhat tricky. And the, I think the best way to do it is to have an hypothesis. Uh, well, so far we get X amount of leads per month in and we convert Y percent of them. Okay, Let's so- see if we can bring both stats up 10% or something. Uh, yeah. So I would work along those lines because yes, there are benchmarks. We reference some of them. If you look at the hinge studies, there's other material, which I can put some of those in the show notes, like the PSI research and others that sort of quantify the business impact of better marketing. But these are always aggregate data, right? And your results might vary. So I would always be hazardous. So let me, I don't like using this analogy, but I also want to say it's like these things are like astrology for marketers in a way because you <laughs> yeah because you're quantifying and qualifying everyone into like 12 categories or 16 categories or whatever number of categories and guess what that would work for 50 to 60 percent of what they are the rest of it is individualized and tailored so if you're going to go and talk to the you know executive of the company the senior person of the company you need to have done a your research b you need to have done like what is their USB pain pro- points and things like that and say, this is how we can solve for this by, imp- by what do you say, making this particular area efficient and we can drive these specific results. Those specific things vary from firm to firm. I mean, I'm not saying that there are no two firms are alike at all. There will probably be a few firms who are quite similar in many ways. But you still need to be very specific because at the end of the day, you have to realize that these are the people who put their blood, sweat, and tears into building the stuff. For them, it's a lot personal. If you approach to, this is a human part and where a marketer needs to learn how to sell. If you want to approach someone in that particular area, you need to speak their language and you need to speak in terms of what you're trying to do. And that's how you close your deal. In this specific area, the marketer needs to think like a salesperson. Yeah. And I think... Yeah, exactly. And I think that also includes building your own case with some care. I mean, you could use those studies, for example, not to tout the results, 
but to look at the metrics they're correlating to make the argument, right? So, so you could construct your own thing. You could say, okay, what are some of the numbers I expect I can improve with better marketing in this firm? Like you mentioned the um, sales cycle, right? Maybe you can drive a reduction there. Maybe that's your hypothesis. So state that in the case and say, well, I think for, I don't know, 50,000 euros in six months, I can build a program that should reduce sales cycles in 20, by Y person 24 months later, whatever. So the point being, you got to construct your own case with business data. And we have episodes, you know, around financials and stuff you can revisit to maybe get an idea, but you should construct your own as opposed to just throwing around study benchmarks or aggregate data. Yeah. And you, the other point I would give is you would absolutely, you absolutely have to make sure you give realistic but not too lax time horizons. Like it's, yes, you probably the first year, if the firm has never done any marketing at all, you'll start out, build the systems and figure out what you're doing. So it's difficult to promise hard improvements, hard results within the first, I don't know, six, eight, 12, maybe months. But that should be an excuse, right? You should have hard return data in your case. And if it's 18 months down the road, okay, write it out. But you need to give them something to evaluate your investment request against. And then of course you should also build in maybe a stage-gated process and some leading indicators to see, okay, we will know that we are on track towards the number I've just given you if we see this or that by month, such and such. So (laughs) I realize this is a bit generic here. Maybe we can follow up with an episode where we sort of construct that in a bit more detail. But that's the idea mm-hmm. is to towards the end of your case, include these financial and this business data, because that mm-hmm. is absolutely what people will look out for. Returning to the point we made earlier, do not only do that though. But you know, as we said, previous to that, highlight the other benefits overall. One last thing, I think, Ash, right? And then we can close out. Yeah. We're not saying, I think, that mm-hmm. you have to make a case and invest in marketing, strategic marketing always, right? So this isn't the podcast telling you always have to do it. Quite the opposite. Be aware of the context the firm is in and only build the business case that we outlined it here, if it makes sense. And I think, yeah, maybe you want to touch upon the reason, the cases where it doesn't make sense, Ash, because these exist. Yeah. Yeah. Because here's the thing. First of all, they might be doing the kind of marketing or kind of things that they need to be doing specifically. Like you might, they might not need strategic marketing because they're doing demand generation focus, or they're probably doing just content. So look at the context of what they need and what they want to do, what they're trying to achieve before you like suggest that this is the solution that they need to do. Look at the stage of, you know, growth therein. Okay, it doesn't make sense to push a firm into like large scale or focused strategic marketing if they're probably like way before seed stage and they're just like two people trying to like create a business. Not that they don't need marketing, but they don't need the specific thing that you're coming from. They're not looking for that kind of pipeline growth because they're looking to grow the firm. So focus on the kind of marketing needed for the kind of group that they need. And if they need it specifically at that point, and then once you've got these, then yeah. And also see if you need to improve what is existing or if you need to create something. Yeah. 
And I mean, the, the, there's a, so the, yeah. So looking at where we are and what is needed, that's excellent. I would also say that maybe even generalizing a bit, there are even cases where I would say that if there's if business development is all there is, it's actually fine. Yeah. My examples would be if the practice if there's a very new practice, or if there is you guys are trying to bring a new service offering to market and it's very new, so there's no proven service market fit or message market fit. In mm -hmm. these cases, I would actually recommend you hold off the marketing piece for a little bit and just have your best people go out to a very well-targeted list of prospects and have conversations as much as you can to prove the service market fit, to, to prove the messaging, right? And once you've sold whatever it is you're trying to sell, I don't know, these are random numbers, 8, 10, 15 times, then you know, okay, we have something here that is comp that is marketable, and then we can have this discussion. But, but prior to that point, you know, deprioritize the marketing bit a little bit. Same is true if the direction you want your marketing to take is not so much winning new clients as winning talent or winning new experts to hire. Right? Probably similar concerns. But so these are there are cases where it doesn't make sense. But however, I mean, there are also cases where it makes a ton of sense to make the case and drive investment into strategic marketing. And I think that's yeah. always the case if you're trying to push into the next phase of growth, right? So maybe you want to graduate past the business development stage, right? Leave yeah. the Rolodex-driven referral, unpredictable type of growth behind you and get to something more larger scale and more predictable because maybe you have to hire, support a higher payroll or yeah. want to up the game and hit enterprise clients, all these scenarios, whatever the next growth stage is, maybe that's a worthwhile investment scenario. And then, of course, there's a succession case, right, Ash? If, if you're looking, yeah, the succession uh, case is, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, that's a completely different story. And I don't know if we need to like get into that in this specific case, but let's just say that this mm -hmm. is a place where you try to focus on the pipeline for mass area, the many one area from the biz dev area, which needs to focus one to one essentially, so that now they can scale it. Yeah. I guess, I mean, the case is if, if, just, whether they're trying to sell the firm or whether it's a partner's retiring and stuff, this might create a moment where you actually realize, oh my God, like 80% of our pipeline depends on these three people who are now willing to exit the firm. Wouldn't it be nice to build something that embeds the ability to drive growth in the firm as opposed to in these people, right? So it's about the yeah, it's individuals like how from, do you, from yeah. the pipeline and sort of securing the firm's future that way. That's another yeah, succession, yeah. succession cases are usually scaling cases because no, yeah, you're correct. no longer focused yeah. on like the, you know, the very few targeted one-to-one -one ones, but you need to scale it. Yeah. And it's usually a case of selling. <laughs> it's usually a case of you're now selling your company or capability, yeah, and, whatever yeah. it is. Handing it over. Or if maybe you're the successor, right? If you're in the firm, like you're the young gone who is in line to take over the shop at some point and you say and you clearly see okay i need something to re replace the biz dev horsepower of the people leaving the firm right you might also consider yeah I, I would in, say in that capability right yeah. yeah but yeah i would say that specific case is much more professional services than consulting from what yeah, we're seeing true. in the market yeah. but yes yeah that is true that's true lots of MA going on still and then, I mean, the last use case yeah. we have written down here was if you already have a capability, like a large firm, you're already doing tons of marketing, yeah. and now you want to invest because you feel like maybe some optimization is required, right? There are areas yes. which are working fine. There's some other areas where maybe there's a bit too much fat and not enough results. So 
that could also be a case where you say, I need some money to essentially uh, ensure we run a tight ship. So these are the three. I feel like, I mean, I'm, that's it. That's all we had in the notes, Ash. I feel like it's been dense. Yeah, I think it's time so. for a quick recap so that we yeah. can close it out because we're sorry that we ran a little over, but there's a lot of these questions that keep coming to most of us and we just figured it's probably easier to put it on yeah. a quick episode. So to recap, Flo, what do you want to tell? To recap, I think if, if there's doubts around marketing, try and make the argument, make the case for investing in marketing by clarifying what it is, right? So to get rid of any possible misconceptions or negative biases. So be very clear about what it is, what it does for the firm, right? And then move on to highlight the, as we said, strategic, operational, and so forth benefits for the firm, like the non-financial sense, right? And then go into the financial benefits, you know, growth, profitability, by at least, if you don't have historic data, at least presenting hypothesis around improvements you think you'll drive if you get the investment sum you're asking for. And then if you give the hypothesis, also sort of make sure you have some stage gate check marks or whatever in between where you can have follow-up discussions on, are we on track to meet these targets I've just given myself in the investment case so that the firm has the opportunity to maybe pull the plug, right? They give you the Mm -hmm. money and it doesn't work out at all. And do all that, and you'll have yourself a very professional business or investment case. And I think you will have fruitful discussions on the base of that. This beats the hell out of going and asking for 5% of my budget than last year mm-hmm. because stuff has got more expensive, right? Or whatever. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. You need to present a compelling argument, like you said in the intro, Ash, these days where budgets are being tightened. Uh, so, yeah. I hope we just gave you the framework for doing that. And so you can get in shape and make that pitch. You can actually make that case. Yeah. 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 So with that, I say it's a wrap, right, Flo? So it is a wrap, I would say. And Mm -hmm. I'll stop the recording here. Have a nice weekend eventually, Ash. I'll spend mine unpacking some leftover boxes. I can see three from where I'm sitting, but we're almost done. Yes. So thanks for listening, everybody, and speak to you again next week. Promise. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us. 